0: Well, let's dive in today. So we are in this series called Intentional. We see right here behind me on the, here and on the screen, you see what today is. Today is the beginning of our intentional 21 day fast. So it's January 21st. And today we're beginning our 21-day intentional fast here at Vintage. And I want to talk about fasting this morning. I want to encourage you to begin reading up and studying on fasting because it's something that I believe is super profound. And the idea of fasting at its at its kind of core is this. We, we fast because we want to live hungry for Jesus, okay? That's the, the heart and soul of why fasting was created, invented all the way back to Leviticus, that there was a desire— to humble ourselves before God as human beings, and just say, God, we are hungry for all of you, for more of your presence. We're hungry, God, to know you. We're hungry to be changed by you. We're hungry to be shaped by you. We're hungry, God. We want to to be near you. We want you to define the essence of everything in our lives. So this morning, I'm going to be kind of leading us off in this fast. I'm not going to. Listen. I'm not going to be breaking down scripture this morning like I normally do. We're doing in that next week. Next week, I encourage you to be here. I've already gotten half of a message written out of Mark 9, where Jesus talks and answers the question of his disciples, why they couldn't cast demons out of someone, and why he could. And I've got this peace in that, I mean, I feel like God's really stirring in me. So again, I'm trying to get you here next week, but it is true. I, mean, I feel this thing, I and mean, I was going to do it this morning, and I felt like, man, i I need to press pause on that to really let it ruminate, kind of just to soak in a little bit more and teach on it next week. So I'd love for you to be here next week as we dive into Mark 9. The fun thing, and that is this week, you can just go home and start reading Mark 9, right? And you can get prepared start asking your mental, yourself some mental questions around it. But today, we want to talk about fasting and this idea of what it means to be hungry for Jesus and how fasting really helps us with that. In the idea of being hungry for Jesus and coming after him and his presence being the primary thing that we want to have define our lives, in this season, I want to throw out two reasons I want us to go after him in this fast, and both of these will be on the screen. Number one is this, to personally know Jesus more fully, and the second is to personally Know Jesus more fully to bring about change. I'll read those again to personally know Jesus more fully. The idea is there's never, like you can always be learning about him and to personally know Jesus more fully to bring about change. So the first one, reason number one, to personally know Jesus more fully. I will tell you in my own life that fasting has been a discipline that I have engaged probably since I was 21 years old, right? is a primary important, I'll be honest with you, I haven't fasted much in the last several years. I don't like it very much, right? But I do recognize, I'm just being fully honest, right, but I've recognized over the years that there's this been this grace to go after jesus and fasting and i will say to you that if you were to ask me what are the top 10 things in your life that you've done to get to where you are and this knowledge of jesus fasting would be in my top five every single year for an extended fat periods of time i would fast with friends with others by myself to go after jesus why because i was more hungry because i wanted to personally know him more fully Like it's been a primary piece of my life because I live in this conviction that I am at my best. I am most whole as a human being when I am near Jesus, when I'm being changed into his image. It's when I'm most alive. It's when I'm most hopeful. It's when I'm most complete. It's when I'm most peaceful. It's when I'm able to experience the most power of God in my life and express it other places. When I am near to him, when I am giving myself to personally knowing him more fully. And I simply want to invite you into that. I'll be honest with you. We could spend a lot of time in church talking about a lot of things, but I will tell you, if you simply give yourself to going after him to know him more fully there'd be lots of books you don't have to read and lots of podcasts you don't have to listen to because when you give yourself fully to knowing jesus all these other things just seemingly line up and have breakthrough in your life so knowing jesus more fully and when i die, then focusing on self and live to focus on jesus at that point i believe i'm at my best The second piece is to personally know Jesus more fully, to bring about change, to be change agents. Like if you look at the life of Jesus, he didn't come to earth just to enjoy friends and beauty, although he did that. He came because there were people in need of change, of breakthrough, and of salvation, and we are called to be those same agents of change, to do the things that Jesus did. And so in this, to personally know Jesus more fully, so that I can bring about change, because the idea is God changes me, I can then lead people to the change that I've experienced. The idea of giving my life to him, and saying, now Jesus changed me because I want to go to those who were dead, I want to invest into their life, be Jesus to them, so they can go to new life. God, I want to go to those who are spiritually oppressed, who were Mark 9, right? Spiritually and demonically oppressed even. And God, I want to be Jesus to them, and I want to set them free. God, I want to go to those who were walking in despair and hopelessness. I want to be Jesus to them and bring Jesus to them. And I want to see them become hope-filled and joy-filled and the fruit of the Spirit defining their lives. So we want to know Jesus more fully, to personally know Jesus more fully, so we can do those things and bring about change in the life of people around us. That's what we're here for. The idea, and I don't know if you know this or not, and you need to sink in. We live in a very self-absorbed, hey, my life is my life type world, and I don't have to worry about anybody around me. Right? Remember Charles Barkley years ago, I'm not a role model for anybody. I'm just living my life. And the idea for it to think about that we are role models sometimes, maybe we just don't like that, but I want to tell you whether you like it or not, you are a role model for the people that are in your life everywhere that you go, especially if they know you're a Christian. Because if you are a follower of Jesus or at least claim to be a follower of Jesus and you tell people you're a Christian, then they think and expect that your life is going to look like Jesus. You're going to sound like Jesus and you're going to act like Jesus. And at the end of their time with you, they should be able to say, I feel like I've been motivated to change because of being around you. It's just a reality, whether you like it or not, your life is impacting everyone that you're around. This week, I was in a conversation with my daughter, my daughter, Anna Catherine. She is 21 years old in her third year at Georgia Tech, graduating in the spring. Very proud of her, right? And she has come into 2020. I was a a hard flex right there, guys, right? And so here she is. She's 21 years old. She's at Georgia Tech, and she's come into 2024 being very, listen, being very intentional about her relationship with Jesus, Somebody but people who know the last couple of years of AK, you're like, oh, my gosh, yes, let's go, right? Major moment for her. She literally texts me on Tuesday night and she said, "Dad, I got to tell you." Like she just starts sending me just notes after notes after notes, and I'm like, "What is this?" She goes, "I'm at the camp. I'm at the college ministry. I'm just taking notes as the pastor's speaking. It's as if God is speaking to me. I'm just getting changed by sitting here." She starts going off. You know, again, she's like, just, brr, brr, just all this technology. Like, it's 11:30 p.m. I'm trying to go to bed, but this is great, right? Thank you, right? And so I said, "Hey, let's talk in the morning. I can't wait to talk." right that's what you do she calls me the next day and i want to share this with you this is not to this is not a this is just a this is what she was saying and just hear the heart behind what she's saying in light of being people who people can watch and be changed by it she said dad i have to confess last night was a breakthrough for me i'm like let's talk about it what do you mean she's like starts going like what the night was about all that kind of stuff and she just said She's. I have to be completely honest. In the last six months, I've just been really, really disheartened. Because there have been lots of people and lots of adults that I've looked to who I thought knew Jesus and loved Jesus. People that I could follow. And just like they don't love Jesus anymore. They're not really following him the way that I thought that they would. And that's just, I mean, I'll be really like, she goes, I think you, mom, are the only ones I know. I think like, that's not true, right? But thank you. She said, but. God last night spoke and just revealed that there's so many people, so many adults your age and older who who really do love Jesus. And it was so encouraging. And I want you to hear me say, Dad. Sorry. Jesus, I'm committed to be one of those adults. Right? I'm committed to be one of those adults. I was so proud of her. I was like, "That's so amazing, babe. Let's talk about that. This. this is so cool." And da 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 da. Right? It was beautiful. I want to be one of those adults. And I think my point in this is, <clears throat> when I listened to her talk, I realized there were all sorts of people across the the world in her life who have no idea that she was looking to them. They had no idea that they were the person that she was looking to emulate and to imitate. Remember, Paul, Paul says twice, imitate me as I imitate Christ. He says it twice in the New Testament. He basically says, you do what I do and do it how I do it and when I do it like I do it and it will make you like Jesus. Right? That to me, I don't know if about you, but that's challenging to me. Because Jesus says, be holy as I am holy. And I'm like, "Who?" But that's what he's saying. That's what... My, my daughter's saying, there are people I look to. I want them to be a person I can look to because as I see them going after Jesus more personally for themselves, they bring about change in the way that I watch them because of the way that I see them, I do what they do. And it makes me fall more in love with Jesus. And she was encouraged because she realized there were people like that and she was committed. And so my question for you is, with your family, with your children, parents, is the life that you're living... Are you confident that if your children imitate you, it will lead them to Christ-likeness? I'm stepping on my toes. I'm stepping on my toes. So this is a reality we have to face. We have to live a life that others can imitate and lead them to Jesus. And so in this like I look at that and go, man, man, there's some work that needs to be done in my life. There's some there's some change and there's some commitment and there's some intentionality. God, oh man, I've just realized if I keep on doing this my own strength, I'm gonna fail. God, I need you. That's why we long for his presence. Because when we don't feel the need for his presence, then it means we think we can do everything ourselves. And so we want to be a people who say, God, we need you because we're going to fail. We need your grace, your power. We need the Holy Spirit to enable us because we can't, only you can. So all of this speaks to the quote that we ended with last week from Scottish pastor and theologian Maurice Roberts, who said this on the screen for us. If society is to be awakened one day from its slumber, it will only be done by Christians who have first woken up themselves to the full splendor of their privilege of being children of God and who have taken seriously the call to live wholly and entirely for God. I'm going to give you 15 seconds. For our visual learners, just to go and read that on your own without me speaking. And I want you to let the words permeate you to a place where you begin to own them. Just begin to read on your own. Now, in this, what I find are the two things that we named as our reason for fasting. He puts them in different order and says a little bit differently, but first, what I've seen is that society needs to be awakened and changed. That's what he's getting at. Society needs to be awakened, right? Society needs to be awakened and changed, but it can only be awakened and changed by those who've been awakened and changed. I don't know if you know this or not. But sleeping people don't intentionally wake up other sleeping people because why? Because they're sleeping. Everyone's sleeping, right? Unchanged people can't bring about change in someone else if they don't know the path to get them to change, right? And so the idea is society needs to be awakened and changed by those who've been awakened and changed. This idea this personal this the idea of society need to be changed, therefore second, Christians have to first wake up and experience the full splendor of Jesus and take seriously their call to live holy for God all we 're getting is well, we are a people listen we are a people you are a person who can Clearly say my reason for living is to experience the full splendor of Jesus, live in the beauty of the divine nature of God, and then just love everyone around me. Love God, love people. Love God, love people. Great commandment. To personally know Jesus more fully, and to personally know Jesus more fully to bring about change. Now, what does that do with fasting? Historically, in the church, one of the ways that this happens of knowing Jesus, being changed by Jesus, is through Jesus' followers embracing as a discipline the discipline of fasting, and I always marry it to prayer as in unified together. At the beginning of last year, we spoke about the disciplines, right? The spiritual disciplines, the means of grace, the actions we give ourselves to the places in the presence of God. Remember, we named it as a as a quiver that was full of arrows. We could take one of these arrows, we could shoot it, and by shooting it, it places into the presence of God. And whenever we're in the presence of God, whether we mean to or not, we're changed, right? So this is what we talked about. We said there are different means of grace, disciplines, or arrows that we can shoot in our lives. Worship is one of those. Right? The discipline of worship. We give ourselves to worship. It puts us in the presence of God and we're changed. We can read scripture, right? We read the Bible. It's the word of God to us. We put ourselves into the word. We begin to read, not just for knowledge's sake, but for heart's sake, right? And all of a sudden, we are a changed people. Talk about practicing the presence of Jesus, living our lives every day aware of his presence, but also living every single day aware of our presence being given to Jesus. Practicing the presence of Jesus. And then Mark Nicewander, right over here, right, Who he wrote a book called The Fasting Key about fasting. You should all read it, right? It's a national bestseller, right? I encourage you to get it, but the idea is that he speaks about, he spoke in March of last year about shooting the arrow of fasting and the power behind it. I encourage you to go back and listen, watch it. And we talked about then the the, the arrow of prayer, that prayers, this is coming and having this relationship with Jesus. These are these things that we do, these historic arrows or disciplines in the church that place us into the presence of God, and they change us by being with him. All of us understand prayer. We've heard about it since we were kids in its most basic form. It's just communication between you and God. Right? It is the essence. It's the essence of relationship because you may be friends with someone but you don't have a relationship with them unless you were communicating with them and communication demands both speaking and then hearing in return, right? And so prayer is this life, not just going through a laundry list of things we want God to do, but a communication of relationship where I sit and I listen and then I speak and we have this back and forth like you would do as Moses, it says in Exodus, Moses would sit with God and speak to him as a friend speaks with a friend. That's the nature of prayer. As two friends having a conversation, recognizing one of those friends is Lord, so we got to do everything he says, but then that beautiful relationship, Relationship, it's always life-giving, right? It's a beautiful dynamic, prayer, communication with God. But fasting would be something we need to grow in and understand. So here we go. Spiritual fasting, it's really important, is not about physical health, right? (laughs) Fasting, spiritual fasting is not about physical health, it's about our spiritual health. I don't spiritually fast to lose weight. I spiritually fast to humble myself before God so that I can be changed and see him better. Fasting is in its purest form is an abstaining from food. For spiritual purposes, as I said earlier, the first mention of it in scriptures, Leviticus 23:27, on the day of atonement, where God called all of Israel to fast for the purpose of denying oneself as a sign of humility in regards to their sin. And so the heartbeat of God in fasting is it awakens humility. This is important. It awakens humility because I recognize in not, listen, in not eating how weak I am. Like, I don't know about you, but if I get to 1 p.m. any day and I forget to eat, oh, my God, I can barely make it. Ooh, somebody help me, right? That's how we get, man. We're like, famous. I'm starving. Right? I'm starving. And we realize, oh, my God, I can barely make it. I, I'm i so weak. I mean, the beautiful piece of Fasting and spiritually fasting and standing for food, what to do? It's for the point of showing you, yes, you're weak, right? You can't make yourself be strong without food, right? You need help. You need help. It's a sign of humility. I realize I can't. Dying, listen, denying oneself is a sign of humility. It awakens humility. I recognize how weak I am and how incapable I am in providing sustenance for myself. And I realize in that moment, and this is the heart, really, of all fasting, oh, I need God. Remember when the disciples asked Jesus who hadn't had anything to eat, hey, should we get you a meal? He goes, no, no, I have food that you do not know of. What is that? Food you only find in the place of need when you stop eating to recognize God can meet all of your needs and sustain you. The heartbeat of fasting is to recognize I can't sustain myself and I need God. Throughout scripture and the history of the church, the discipline of fasting has been an important key to spiritual growth. As people do without food for the purpose of focusing their attention and their heart on. I'm the only one who can truly satisfy their soul's hunger. That's the nature of fasting. Recognize only one thing, one person can satisfy my soul's hunger. Why did God institute fasting? We're not ever told in scripture why. But I have to believe it's because when we do without food, we look to God for all of our sustenance. Well, listen, it's actually a nature of our life, isn't it? Whenever there is anything lacking in life that we don't have the power to get, who do we always turn to? Jesus, right? We're in that moment struggling financially. We can't do anything to get more money. So what do we do? We start praying and asking God to meet our needs every time. Or we get to a place, right, where, where we're struggling in our lives with a lack of friends, just feeling really rejected. We have no friends in our life. So what do we do? God, I tried. I can't get a friend. How many of you felt real lonely looking for a spouse somewhere in your life? You're, God, I've tried everything I can do. You've got to show up, Lord. Some of you are like, yes and amen. Bring him. Bring her, Jesus. I did. Maybe it's a, clarity of, a lack of clarity for direction in your life. You just feel lost. I've done everything I can. It's like you hit a wall and God goes, I put that wall there so you would hit it, so you would look up to recognize I'm the only one who can tell you where to go. Our lack of anything is always God's gift to get you to a point of recognizing only he can provide and sustain Fasting is just a really practical thing that gets us there real quick. Because in 12 hours, I'm starving. Jesus, like I'm barely making it. Fasting is not a biblical commandment. But it is something Jesus expected of his disciples. We see Jesus talk about this in Matthew 6.16 and Matthew 9.15. I'm not going to read all these at length. But in the Beatitudes, Jesus comes and says, when you fast... He says, Don't be like the religious leaders who are all somber and do it to be seen, right? Do it that no do it such a way with joy, so no one knows that you're fasting, right? But the beautiful thing is, is when you fast. Because the expectation is that they would fast. And Matthew nineteen, me, Matthew nine says this, but as follows the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, and then they will fast. Jesus is the bridegroom. There's no need to fast for more of his presence when he's right here in front of you. But the time's going to come when his presence isn't with you. You're going to long for him. You're going to want him more than anything. In that moment, you will fast because you so hunger for his presence in your life. He says, so when you fast, why am I fasting? Because you're going to want so much of my presence because not having me will never satisfy. And so when you fast, and a time will come when you will fast again, which is the time that we're in because the bridegroom has not second returned. He's not second advented, right? He's not here in physical form. So in this, there's this understanding that there's a time that will come when we will fast because we want him. It's not a commandment. It's an expectation of his. I think it's an expectation because Fasting is so effective in opening our hearts to experience his presence. I don't think it's an expectation out of duty. I think it's an expectation thing because I just expect you to long for me. And and fasting would be one of the greatest ways for you to get to that place of experiencing on a deeper level. I think it was more of him recognizing the hunger and desire of our own hearts. It's not a command. It's an expectation because he expects that we'll want his presence in a deeper way. To do a deeper dive into fasting, there's lots of, lots of material out there. We do have a resource page on our website. It went out in our newsletter this week, and you can, with a video from me, don't watch the video, just go to the resource page, trust me. And so in that, go to the resource page. When you get to the resource page, you'll see all sorts of things about fasting, right? I've taken notes from, from a specific book that talks about fasting. You see all the notes that I took, right? Uh, it talks about a Daniel fast, which we're going to look at here, and like a Daniel fast and what it is, and literally menus in there and things that you can make to, for the Daniel Fast. You'll see something in there called uh, Intentional 21 Days of Fast, and then it gives you like principles of fasting, just some real practical pieces. Number eight in there will give you a list of books including Mark's book, The Fasting Key. You can go order them yourselves and just really dive into and begin reading and learning about fasting. It'll be super fun, but this morning what I want to do to end, I just want to give you just a few just three of the primary principles as I see them in that document, kind of packed in a little bit and then you can do a deep dive and then I want you to come back next week as we dive into Mark chapter 9 because what was also a an outgrowth of fasting that maybe we don't think about is this unbelievable power that we gain spiritually and I want to dive into that a little bit next week not so you can say I'm a powerful person but so you can say I am I have surrendered to a powerful God who's chosen to work through me Right. That's next week. So come. I'd love you to be a part of that. But here are the three things, this practical things we talk about uh, and this principles that I want to dive into first. When we dive when we get into fasting, number one, determine the type of fast you want to do. Right. Determine the type of fast that you want to do. Not if you want to do it. Right. But the type you're going to do, right? I'm asking that each of you engage in this fast. If you're part of the vintage family, I'm asking you to do it. If you're not part of the vintage family, hey, you're welcome to do it, right? But I want you to engage in some form or fashion. And here are the types of fasting that you can do. This is on the screen for me. Number one is a complete fast. Number two is a Daniel fast. Number three is a partial fast. Number four is a soul fast. A complete fast. This is what you see Jesus doing in the wilderness, right? Drinking only liquids, typically water maybe some light juices maybe do broth or a soup as, a, as options also but this is like that traditional what people think of i'm fasting i'm not eating any food and for 21 days we're just going to like just do liquids and go after jesus i have done several of these types of fasts yes they're overwhelming and difficult i would say to you if you have issues like if you have like if you know yourself if you have history with food issues do not do a complete fast. There's different options in this. If you've never done a long extend 21 day complete fast, please don't start now, right? You need to work it really in. So just be really honest about yourself. Maybe see a medical attention. I would say if you're going to want to do a complete fast and have never done one, please just email me in advance. Let's have a conversation about it so we can kind of talk through all the pieces of it. But it is an option for you. Second is the Daniel fast. Again, there's a resource page. On the resource page, there's something that talks at length about a Daniel fast and again, Menus in there and examples of meals to consider. This is abstaining from and not eating meat, is what you see in the book of Daniel that Daniel does, right? You don't you abstain from meat and sweets and bread. You drink water and juice. You eat a variety of fruits and vegetables and nuts. Those types of things. Again, you can this is another fast you can do. Third is the partial fast, A.K.A. the Jewish fast. Again, there's different names for all these different fasts probably, but these are the ones we're using. This means of from any type of food in the morning and afternoon, right? So you can do a specific time during the day. So a, a common one is to to fast from sun up to, to sundown, right? And so sun up to sundown, it's just kind of a partial day type thing that you're more than welcome to do. And the third type of fast is a soul fast, right? A soul fast. This is like I'm gonna take something that's important in my life, something that I devote a lot of my time to, and I'm going to cut it out of my life life. For the purpose of going after Jesus. I'm not, you don't just cut anything out of your life just to cut out of your life. That's silly, right? You cut out of your life so to end that it won't be a distraction that'll keep you from going after Jesus, right? And so the idea is I'm going to do away with Netflix in this season. I'm going to do away with all forms of media in this season. I'm going to do away with my golf clubs for this season. Why? Because those distract me. Those distract me. Or they're not sinful things, but they are distractions for me. I'm going to remove them and in its place, I'm going to pursue and go after Jesus, right? And so here's the point in all of this. Is there one better, more holy, like spiritually deep fast? No. And that's the freedom I want to give you this morning. I'm not asking you to do a specific type of fast. I'm just trying, I just want to ask you to figure out which is the fast that God's leading you to. And you may do a mixture of all of these in some form or fashion, right? The great thing about fasting, there is freedom in it. There is liberty in it. And all I mean by that is that, hey, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go after this. And if all of a sudden, like one day, I'm like, oh my gosh, I've got to eat a piece of bread or I'm going to die, then great. Listen, I never forget that 21 day fast years ago. And on the day 20, we forgot that we were, I was this one at the University of Georgia, and they invited our flag football team that I was on with all of our other primary leaders to come play in a promotional event at an Atlanta Falcons game. So we played the first half before the game started. We played the second half during halftime, right? And we're driving down to the stadium and my buddy my buddy go Jason goes, "Hey, um we've all been fasting for 20 days. Do you think this is the best idea?" And I'm like, oh, man, I hadn't thought about that. My gosh, what if we all die on the field, right, man? I'm like, what are we going to do, man? She's so like, what do we do? So, Let me think about it. Let me think about it. I'm like, there's freedom. said, so, hey, when we get there, I think all they have is hot dogs, but feel free to chow down, man. So we all broke our fast at day 20 eating hot dogs and Cokes. It was hilarious, right? So I'm appointed, and God was like, well done. We won the game, praise God, right? Let's go. So anyway, so it was a beautiful moment, beautiful moment. There's this freedom in this. And so I encourage you again. So what's that look like for me? Just kind of give you an idea. I'm gonna mix these up. I'm gonna do a soul fast the entire time. I feel like I need that for myself. It's gonna be helpful for me to go after Jesus. I'm gonna do probably the first week, maybe some some idea of complete fast. Reason being, one, Randall's out of town. Two, I am going to write these here. Two, for me, I have have history around this. This has been really life giving for me, so I'm gonna do a complete fast for the first week. Then the second week, I'm gonna do a Daniel fast. So I'm gonna grab and, grab hold of these vegetables and these nuts and stuff. I'm sure it'd be fantastic. Uh, and then the third. The the third week, I don't We'll see, right? It's kind of a crapshoot at this point. We'll figure it out. I don't know yet. Let's we'll figure it out. See where God leads us in the middle of it. I'm sure it'll be great. But the idea in all of this, and this is the point if I do a 21 day fast and abstain from all things, right, and never spend time with Jesus, then it is less effective than a person who says, I'm going to give up playing Clash of Clans on my phone for 30 minutes a day, but give all of my extra time to pursuing Jesus. Quote unquote, they win. Right? They win because they've given themselves pursuing Jesus. Fasting is not about abstaining. It's about pursuing. Okay? It's not about abstaining. It's about pursuing, going after Jesus and making him. So all that to say, just take a deep breath around trying to figure out what kind of fast to do and go I don't think God's really really like super like oh my gosh you better or else he's just saying hey just let's go after this what makes sense what fits best for you I think the soul fast is probably the easiest in a sense to name next I think all of us recognize there are lots of things we're giving ourselves to that are distractions that we can stop giving ourselves to and just getting rid of those be life-giving and I'm telling you though engaging something around food there is something really powerful about that so I'd love you to figure out what fits your for schedule what fits you around the type of physical food type of fast you're doing, right? So Taylor Chastain is back over here somewhere. Where are you, Taylor? So he I mean, he's like super physical labor all day long. I would look at Taylor and say, For the love of God, please don't do a complete fast, right? And all the physical parts that you're doing, that's just too much. You were doing a lot of physical labor in the piece in your job, obviously off office time too, but there's a lot of physicality. So if there just be wise in the things that you're choosing to do and there's grace in it, again if you need help, feel free to reach out Steve at vintage242.com and I'll do my best to help you. read all the resources too. Number two, have a clear target for fasting. Have a clear target for fasting. As I said earlier for vintage, I want to go after him specifically to personally know Jesus more fully and to personally know Jesus more fully to bring about change. That's up here. Here's what I'm asking you to do. Would you just personalize those? Just personalize them. Right? The idea I want I want to personally know Jesus more fully. And then name the thing that you want to know more fully about him. Maybe it's, his, maybe it's his power. Maybe it's whatever it may be. And you put before the Lord God and all the other things that you want to do. Right? I'm asking that you would more fully awaken me to this attribute of who you are. You just name that in a real personal personal sense. The same type of thing. Personalize the idea of what you want to bring change to. God, I want to know you personally more fully to bring about change. And then name the change that you're praying about. Is it your spouse? Is it your children? Is it your neighbors? Is it your work? Whatever it may be. You just personally name that thing. So I would say is you're giving this one thing that you're going after Jesus in but also have a high level of expectancy of him doing lots of other things, right? So I name the one thing I'm really going after and praying into and living with expectancy of God doing lots of other things, okay? The third and last piece is I'm asking you would combine fasting and combine prayer. Again, the idea, if I abstain from food but don't go after him relationally, it's a wasted time. In the church, we can pray without fasting, but you can never effectively fast without praying, right? We said weeks ago that wisdom, a couple of weeks ago, that wisdom is defined as the strength of an action in regard to the application of experience, knowledge, and good judgment. Wisdom and around the marriage of prayer and fasting tells us that Jesus' people through through years of experience and knowledge have found that there is strength in the action of combining them. So I'm just asking you as you fast. You're, if you're, listen, for me, it's real simple. If I'm not eating a meal, then I give that time that I used to eat into prayer, going after Jesus, reading his word, worshiping, whatever it may be, right? We see the combination of these multiple times, Old Testament, New Testament. You can start a list up on the screen for me, Josh, Nehemiah 1.4. Nehemiah continued fasting and praying. Uh, before the God of heaven, Daniel nine three. Daniel sought the Lord by fasting, you know, prayer and fasting, sackcloth and ashes. Sackcloth and ashes is simply a representation of a physical act we give ourselves to, of humility before God, that's all that means. Luke 2.37, Anna was worshiping with fasting and in prayer day and night to prepare herself in the church for the coming of the Messiah, Luke 2.37. And then Acts 13.2 and Acts 14.23, Interesting, where basically the leaders and the elders of the movement of God prepared themselves and engaged humility because, in both of these, they felt res- they were responsible. For raising other people up to either be leaders, missionaries, or elders in a body of Christ. And so what they were doing in this action was saying, this is a massive responsibility. And before the Lord, I want an act of humility to show that I need his presence in leading me. Because without him, I know I can't necessarily trust myself, but I fast to show that I trust God's leadership in this. Okay? And so that's all we're getting at, combined fasting and prayer. So in all of it, fasting increases humility and it increases our dependence on God. I'll say it again. For our hunger and physical weakness continually remind us how we are not really strong in ourselves, but that we need Jesus's strength. And, of course, prayer opens a line of communication so that we can see him and know him. So invite our worship team to come forward as we end this morning the the invitation for you the ask of me this morning if you're part of the vintage family is that you would give yourself to some type of fast in this season right some type of fast knowing in this like don't get all weirded out like oh my gosh right but just saying god I, just like when i love i mean when is it paul it says it seemed good to me and the Holy Spirit to go a certain direction. That's love That's it. Like, ah, I'm not 100%, but it seemed best to go this direction, right? So I would say this. The Lord, if you decide on the fast, God's going, great, that's awesome. Let's go for it, all right? Don't, don't, don't get weirded out by it. Just give yourself to, to something you feel God leading you to in this. It'll be really, really good. Uh, and then prepare your heart for it, your mind. Give yourself to the fast. Like, don't do it all willy-nilly, right? Just give yourself to it. Um, And then come with expectancy that God wants to do something. And so this morning I encourage you to maybe spend some time thinking about that.